Welcome, savvy investor, to Skyline Views. Hey, welcome to another episode of Skyline Views. I'm Chris Mills. My guest today is a certified mediator, former tax attorney, and currently serves as a couples financial counselor, also host of the Equal Partners podcast, Mr. Adam Cole. Welcome, Adam. Thank you, Chris. Appreciate you having me. Absolutely. Uh, why don't you tell us a little more, a little more about yourself and your background? Yeah, absolutely. So my work is all about helping couples who love each other make sure that the money conversation doesn't get in the way, and you know, helping couples create more stability and deeper partnership and thriving around their finances. So uh, this is a really big issue that unfortunately very few people work on. It's one of the top causes of breakups and fighting and divorce for couples is money, money related stressors. And um, for somebody myself who has been married and divorced and knows the, the pain of that and knows the pain of, you know, the, the wonders of love, but also the pain of losing a relationship that you've committed so much to, uh, it really moves me that I get a chance to support couples in doing this work. And it was just really a beautiful, you know, because there's so few people who do what I do, there was no career path to it. But uh, my experiences in you know, studying economics, I've been a finance geek my whole life, uh, worked as a financial advisor at Northwestern Mutual, then went on to law school and got a master's in tax law. And also, as you mentioned, I'm a certified mediator and, you know, started doing conflict resolution work on a volunteer basis, realized I was good at it, got the mediation certification. And then along the way, I was like, I think there's a need out in the world. And I think I could be the one to fill it. And so the last several years have just been spent figuring out, well, what does that look like? How do I reach people? How do I support them? Um, helping couples go from anywhere as like, I remember my very first client told me in the consultation, if we don't get this figured out, we're going to end up divorced. Right. And they ended up best friends again by the time they were done working with me. Plus, they paid off over 25,000 of debt and the wife restarted her business and all that. Uh, but also, a lot of times, couples who are just like, yeah, money's just our relationship's pretty solid, but money's just an uncomfortable or overwhelming conversation. Um, and so, how do we get on the same page so that not only can we make our finances work, but also our relationship? Right. Um, I mean, as I obviously, you know, you're talking to real estate investors and it's like if one person has a plan and they just like strong arm the other person into it, you might be generating a lot of revenue, passive income, whatever the case may be. But if your partner's not on board, that could still spell doom for your relationship and quality of life. Right. So it's important that we're able to figure out how to get on the same page and how to feel good about it for all people involved while also kicking butt with our finances. Yeah, that's fantastic. I love, uh, I love the work because I see a lot. I mean, you were a financial advisor, so you know the shoes that I'm in now, right? Um, even though your job is the plan and the implementation and the dollars and cents, making everything work, knowing what they need to know, you do wind up playing counselor a lot. Like there's an aspect of it, you know, that is a, um, you, you wind up having to navigate these waters with them and explain things and handhold. And so it's, it's great that there's, you know, like you're out there doing what you do um, because it, it is a very real need. It's always a part of the conversation and it's a very real need that households have 
regardless of the structure. And again, the dollars and cents and numbers side, if you don't take care of that, like you alluded to before, the whole thing falls apart anyway. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a gain the whole world to lose your soul kind of situation. So Exactly. Exactly. So I want to kind of wade in. We'll, we'll attack different stages of the conversation. Let's start like premarital uh, for there's a lot of, you know, young entrepreneurs that I know out there, you know, gunning, making money, hustling, we get together and they're like-minded, uh, you know, which is where the attraction comes in. What mm -hmm. should folks be thinking about and considering, you know, as they are thinking about a life partner and deciding, you know, do we really line up as far as our investment goals and family goals and things of that nature? What are, what are things to look for? Yeah, um, for sure. So I would say that in the pre-wedding, right, or maybe you're engaged or, or let's say pre-commitment, you know, maybe you're living together or not. There's a lot of different factors, but I think what's really important is to talk about your values and goals and, and what you want for your life. And inevitably money is going to touch and affect so much of that, right? For example, um, how do you think about your career and retirement? How do you think, how many kids do you want to have if you want to have kids at all? Where would you like to live? You know, what kind of standard of living are you hoping for? Or what's your kind of like, you know, threshold that I really need this. And if I don't have it at my business, I'm going to go get another job, right? You know, are, are either of you okay with working from home to take care of the family if you have them, right? Right. Starting to have these conversations. Now, if you're not in if you're not engaged or not yet in a similar kind of commitment level, you know, you may not need to have those quite yet. Um, but certainly the more intertwined your lives get, right? Um, and if you're living together, now your choices are affecting each other, even from an expense point of view, right? Like just to give a silly example, like if I leave the lights on we're, and we split the electric bill, right? Now I'm affecting your finances by whether I leave the lights on or turn them off. So the more, intimately intertwined you get, the more detail you should be sharing about your financial situation and, you know, what's working for you, what your goals are, what your challenges are, right? Um, and then thinking, like I said, I mean, it's really a lot of the stuff that is related to being clear on that money intersects with all of these things, right? And sharing your viewpoints on money. And, and you know, just because you have different viewpoints doesn't mean it's not a match, right? It just means, okay, that's our starting point. We, I look at it this way, you look at it this way. There's some commonalities or some distinctions. Now let's continue to explore to see if we can find points of agreement or even set up our finances so that you're able to fulfill your needs and wants and I'm able to fulfill my needs and wants, right? Because they don't have to be identical. A super common structure that we see with a lot of couples is like uh, they have a shared pot and they both put money towards their shared expenses like rent and groceries and whatever. And then they've got separate pots where it's like, this is, I can spend whatever I want. I can spend this on whatever I want, whether it's business development or my side hustle or, you know, tickets to the ball game or massages or clothes or whatever, right? I, that's my money unquestioned, you know? So there's many different ways to set it up, but truly investigating those values and key life goals um, and being clear about the way money intersects with them and how that affects your thinking yeah all good stuff is there any 
oil and water type um, philosophies regarding money? Like if I think this way and I think that way, that's kind of a red flag. Is there any, yeah, any red flags or, or landmines that you've seen as far as like really bad ways to think or, or enter a relationship? I don't think so personally. Um, I think we all have parts of our mindset around money that are maybe more helpful or less helpful in certain situations. But, you know, there's pros and cons to every approach, right? Um, as somebody who growing up, you know, my grandfather told me, I'm going to teach you about money so that you don't make the same mistakes I did, which was earn a lot and spend a lot. And so I learned how to be really responsible and save 80% of the money I got babysitting and working as a bagger at the store, at the grocery store. But on the other hand, I also inherited this kind of idea that if I mess up with money, then I'm a bad person, right? Then I suck and I need to be responsible. Otherwise I'm bad. And so for me, I'm great at knowing what's going on, keeping it organized, having control of the situation, but I struggle with enjoying just buying something, you know, getting uh, getting the extra sauce, right? <laughs> Last night we ordered pizza from Papa John's. My girlfriend wants the extra sauce. <sighs> okay, 50 cents for an extra sauce, <laughs> right? I mean, I don't let it get in my way, but it's like, there's a part of me that's like, extra? do we need that many? Okay, right? So it, every piece has its own thing. Now look, the common one people say, well, I, you know, I spend a lot and, or I save a lot and my partner spends a lot. Again, there's beauty to both of those. The spender often helps you have fun and enjoy life, right? Um, it's, can you get yourself from a point of looking at what they're doing as maybe like, oh, they don't care about me or they're trying to be, like they're just being a jerk to they're doing their best based on what they know and what they believe. And it's my job as their partner to understand them and communicate my needs so that we can coalesce, right? So that we can come together on a vision that works for us. Um, I mean, so I don't really believe there's a particularly bad outlook on money, aside from, of course, financially abusive habits or um, addictions that involve money like gambling or spending or whatever compulsivity like that's something that for me, if I come across it, you know, I refer out to a therapist or financial therapist. But in general, barring that, I think really anything, if you're committed to the relationship and the person, you can find ways to create the security one person might need and the you know chance to have the fluidity that another person might need or the ability to take certain risks that a partner might need. You can build that in. It's not necessarily gonna be easy and you can't necessarily have everything, but you can figure out what your key priorities are and work to make sure you're addressing those. Good. So say there's a couple at the next stage, let's move to you know, a legally bound, married, you know, whatever you want to call it, couple. Um, so you're, you're merging lanes, right? Two lives, like legally coming together. Yep. You got my stuff, your stuff, my investments, your investments. Um, things can get kind of touchy, whether you're talking about towels and toothpaste or multifamily investments, right? Um, what uh, are there? Are there any tips or tricks of the trade regarding the merging the two lives legally you know and very intimately coming together yes great question okay first tip and trick is 
For the love of God, do not go straight to the numbers. For the love of God, please have a conversation first. Talk about what you care about. Talk about what matters to you. Talk about your hopes and dreams. Talk about your fears and worries. Talk about how you think about what does financial independence or financial freedom mean to you, right? Have these conversations and then go to the numbers. Once you have kind of this shared perspective, then go to the numbers and start hammering them out, right? If you go too quickly, you're just gonna end up arguing, right? Because you see one point of view, oh, I think we're ready to buy our second multifamily unit. In their head, they're freaking out because they didn't make the maximum contribution to their 401k this year, right? But in your mind, you're like, no, but it's going to generate this kind of revenue and it's going to be predictable. And it's in a, you know, a area that's like up and coming. We think that we, we just kind of almost accidentally make the assumption that our partner understands everything that goes into it. But the way we look at the world, including money is formed over many thousands of interactions and bits of information we've taken in over many years, right? So they can't possibly know all of that. And it's important for us to fill in those gaps, especially when you're talking about big decisions like making significant real estate investments or thinking about retirement or having children or buying a a, your own primary residence, right? When you're making these kinds of decisions or of course getting married, <clears throat> it's essential to be having these conversations. So please start with a values-based conversation before you go to the numbers. Um, and then when you do, find a system that works for you and it doesn't have to be anyone else's system. Some people like to track everything on a spreadsheet and it's okay if not both partners need to know the nitty gritty and be updating the spreadsheet all the time. It's okay, just like any other tasks, whether it's in your home life or raising the kids or investing in real estate, one partner is better at something than the other or likes it more. It's totally okay. But I do recommend that each partner take a turn doing each set of activities because this helps you understand. It helps you come informed to the conversation. And it also helps you in the, hopefully it doesn't happen, but in case the relationship ends up not working out, then you understand, right? You're not like, darn, I have no idea how to deal with homeowner's insurance, right? Like, oh, I've done it. Okay. I know what it looks like. So I can take that on. I'm not going to panic, right? If, if the relationship doesn't work out, I'm not going to be like off on an island, like not an actual island, not like a vacation, but like, you know, just kind of up a creek, right? I'm not going to be up a creek. Um, so yeah, I really recommend that. And then there's just some cool utilities out there. Uh, I'm a big fan of Splitwise, which is essentially just, you can input all your transactions into there and it keeps a running balance between you and other people. So for example, if one of you tends to pay for things that are actually like, it's my credit card, but you and I split those expenses, but I'm the one running the card. Uh, Splitwise does a great job of keeping track. Um, and there's also some apps out there that are built specifically to help couples manage their money together. Uh, for example, Honeydew, H-O-N-E-Y-D-U-E is one. And then Zeta, which you can find at askzeta.com is another one. Um, and uh, not only do I like the apps, but the founders are both great people who deeply care about relationships and relationships working well. And that's why they're using their skills to influence 
and hopefully, you know, kick that divorce rate down a few notches by helping people figure out this money stuff. And uh, those are great apps that I recommend checking out. Um, that might be, there's again, specifically built for couples. So they have some unique functionality around that, that, you know, you and your partner might find useful. That's great. I want to circle back quickly to uh, an aspect that you just touched on. You touched on um, each partner doing a little bit of the business, right? Whatever the your aspect is yeah. in-house, maybe you have property managers, maybe you do it in-house. Um, so one person, if you're doing your property management, for example, you know, maybe I'm the property manager, my wife's the construction person, maybe we switch, switch roles so we can have a taste. How do we know, uh, you know, when that taste is enough? You know, so if it's, because what I want to kind of get to is, is strengths and weaknesses, right? And finding, finding your lane, finding your groove. What's, what's the appropriate way to do that? And then how do you set yourself up? What's the best way for a household to set themselves up so that everyone's kind of playing to their strengths and covering weaknesses and, and not yeah. being combative? Uh, meaning like it's my strength I have some strengths and she has some strengths for example and then I could easily look at her and be like why don't you do that my way it's so easy for me you know like or she can be like you idiot all you have to do is xyz you know because it's so easy for me um right. how do you how do you get that taste and then find that groove like what does that really look like yeah well with my clients uh I have them actually just brainstorm and write down all the money related tasks that are involved in their lives or side businesses or full-time businesses, you know, everything that's involved. And if this is a new conversation to you, um, what I recommend is to, you know, you can kind of rank them and do our, uh, how much you like doing them. And in the beginning, if you're just trying to get a structure going and have these conversations and kind of be more cohesive in the beginning, it's okay to really, just play to your strengths, right? Like line it up. I'm going to give you your top five. I'll take my top five and boom, we're off. Right. But over time in a manageable way, you know, pick, okay, maybe, you know, listen for some people, it depends on how your life's set up. If you're just like, if you have one primary residence and that's it, and then you're paying the property taxes, that could be something as simple as you know, your partner learns how to do that in 10 minutes. You show them how to log on to the proper website and how to set up the payment and that's that, right? But for something like you were saying about, okay, property management versus construction, those involve a whole lot more, right? So it might even be that they shadow you for six months while you're working on a project or, or something. I think it's really up to you to, depending on the role or responsibility to figure out what's the best way to do that. Um, but I think the key is to, give people enough so that they are not in overwhelm when it comes to it, right? So for example, if an issue pops up for me, like concerning something financial, health insurance, a credit card, a bank account, I may not love the task, but I know that I know enough to like make a phone call, be competent and confident in talking to the person who helps me and at least get started in getting the situation resolved, right? Um, but there come other things like if a household appliance needed to be fixed, oh my God, oh my God, I have no idea what to do, right? That's going to so exhausting, so overwhelming for me. So it's like, if you can get each person to the point where like they, 
can feel comfortable picking up that phone and making that call. And maybe they understand a little bit about the first steps to take. Okay, I can call a handy person or I can pull out the manual or, you know, I, like whatever, I don't even know what the first steps are, but whatever those would be, right? I think that's probably a good threshold to get to where that issue is no longer overwhelming to try and sort out. Because you're not gonna, if you're the property management expert, you're not necessarily going to also become the construction expert or vice versa, and that's okay. But at least enough that if it comes to it, you can kind of keep the water level and, and like figure out, okay, so now I need to take over construction. What steps might that look like? What, what might I want to do in order to make this work and be minimally painful and smooth as possible? Very good. So when it comes to setting goals uh, or succession, estate planning, um, maybe picking a market, picking a, you know, asset class or, you know, one person loves multifamily or maybe we should do mobile home parks. When you're making these really big um, path altering decisions, um, what's, uh, maybe you could just speak to some strategies when it comes to making these projections, laying out these goals, sharing, you know, wants and needs and, you know, what you want your life to look like. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I expect that listeners may notice a trend here, but the is to start with a conversation, right? Don't go to the specifics right away, right? Like, oh, well, I want to leave this one to this kid and this to that kid and this to charity. Take a breath, sit down and talk. Now I'll teach a specific skill, which I think is familiar to people, but they don't necessarily have a name on it, which is my favorite communication tool is called open-ended questions. Um, so I always contrast open-ended questions with a closed-ended question, like a yes or no question. And those are really valuable sometimes. It's like, hey, do you want olives on our pizza? Yes or no? We don't need a whole like soliloquy about olives, right? We just want yes or no, maybe black or green, right? That's about it. Um, can you guess what I had for dinner last night? It's what's on my mind. Right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but when it's about asset classes and risk tolerance and uh, legacy planning and retirement planning, these are expansive big questions, right? So, uh, hey, do you wanna invest in trailer parks versus what are your thoughts on different real estate types we can invest in or, or what do you think about trailer parks right i've been researching them what do you think about it so open-ended questions are ones that rather than a yes or no they give that other person space to respond and they often look like you know what they start with what how or why so how do you think about x or what are your thoughts about x or why do you feel this way about x um, and another thing is when your partner tells you something you can always just say can you tell me more about that? Can you tell me more what makes you think that way or what has you feeling that way, right? Um, and coming from a place of not judgment, just curiosity, right? Um, and if the tendency arises to correct your partner, like you think they said something factually inaccurate, I get it. Former lawyer here, like we are all about our logic and rigor. So no judgment of you for having that uh, inclination, but Take a breath, hold your tongue, listen first, right? You may think they meant something, they meant something completely different. 
But even if you totally understood them and you're correct, right? Let's say they say something that's like off the wall, like, oh yeah, and there's no way that the underlying asset could ever become underwater. So it's a great investment. Whoa, okay, not true, right? But you don't need to correct them. Listen, what are they saying? Maybe they're trying to tell you that security is important to them and that's why they like real estate as an investment, okay? Maybe they are trying to say something else other than what you think. And if you just jump in like, you're wrong, they're not gonna really feel cared for or listened to in the kind of way that's gonna create teamwork. And here's the thing, you're already going for all these ambitious goals. You're investing in real estate, you're building your portfolio, you're you know, aiming for wealth building, early retirement, whatever that may be. You might as well have a good time doing it and have your partner on your side, right? Like, don't lose that part because that sucks. Like I said, I know it personally. Divorce sucks. It's the worst thing, right? It was the worst time of my life for sure. So have that teamwork there. Have that care and consideration. And what you'll actually see is it's going to make your entire relationship better, right? You're just going to have deeper alignment, more respect for each other, more love, more connection, more stability, more peace of mind. And when things go uh, the wrong direction, as they inevitably do in life, and certainly if you're someone who's taking on uh, investments that have variance to them, right, those conversations are going to be a whole lot easier because you two trust each other around this topic and you know you have respect and you're on the same side, right? So when one of the, so when you have a tenant who's like not paying their rent for the last few months, you can go and talk to your best friend who's also your spouse and your partner, your teammate, right? And maybe your business partner. And you, that conversation is just gonna be so much easier and so much more pleasant, right? You'll have put the places in order so that let's say they're the one who wants a little more security. Well, maybe you have now, you made sure that you had an emergency fund built up, a savings fund, right? Before you went and bought that next property. So now, even though that renter hasn't paid you in three months, they're not panicking because they've got six months worth of living expenses parked in a savings account somewhere, right? So coming together can just create so many really wonderful dynamics. Um, and if you don't take this opportunity, it can create a lot of nasty ones, right? But it's not just about avoiding the nasty ones. My perspective is always like, how can you have it all, right? How can you have that stability? How can you thrive financially and feel good about the way money lives inside of your life and your relationship? And that's what my work's all about. Awesome stuff, Adam, thank you. Is there, um, as we close out, is there any uh, last tips or, or anything I didn't ask about that you'd wanna put out there? Yeah. Um, I love to tell people, you know, a lot of times we don't want to start these conversations because we're nervous or we're afraid or maybe we're worried about being judged. And I get that. Um, what I say is that the status quo, keeping things the way they are, like not really having these dialogues, that's going to slowly eat away at your soul and at the intimacy of the relationship. And over time, depending on who you are, in the relationship, it can lead to anxiety, it can lead to resentment, it can lead to anger, right? And these are all things that can be really crushing for some a couple, for a romantic couple, right? Um, and when you do have these conversations, I've seen it time and again with my clients, all of a sudden weights are lifted off their shoulders. I have one client who was like, 
oh, you know, I'm so mad because we were not doing the money stuff right. And we bought this home, but we can't turn it into our dream home. Within a couple of weeks, once they started communicating, he was doing all kinds of projects around the house. Why? Because painting the house doesn't cost a lot of money, but he had that emotional weight on his shoulders, right? So he was kind of stuck, cleared that out, boom. He's doing jobs, he's having the kids help, his dad is helping. All these things are just start moving right away, right? Um, and in some cases, having these conversations, you're able to really optimize your finances. Oh, I didn't realize that that was what was going on. You know, let's invest more here, spend less here. I could go ask for a raise at work. I could look for a new job so that we're more aligned, right? It's such a beautiful thing that happens. Um, and the mindsets that we have with money, we often think that ours or our partners are kind of stuck in place. But the truth is, as I said earlier, that mindset around money is the summation of all of our experiences and how we've internalized and interpreted them. So the good news is if we kind of created it over time, it also means we can shift it, right? So resist that temptation to see your partner as an object. Oh, he's just this way, she's just that way about money, right? And get curious, what would it look like for us to be on the same page about X, Y, and Z, right? How might we attend to both of our needs? and move forward still productively, right? Um, so it's a powerful conversation. I get it takes some courage maybe to get it rocking. Um, but when I share some ways to catch up with me and find more of my work, I will have some ways to help you get that conversation going. That's uh, the very next thing. You took the words right out of my mouth. If someone wants to get a hold of you or learn more, what can I do? Yeah, so I have a really neat quiz. It'll take you two minutes to do. It's called the, your relationship with money and your honey to find out your couple's money personality type. Um, and basically you just go answer a handful of questions and then you'll be based on your answers. You'll end up in one of four categories that I've identified through all my work with my clients and seeing different types. And based on that, I will give you some suggestions on how to move forward. And then there'll be a free tool to just like a direct link to a tool uh, that you can click on and that'll help you level up from wherever you are to take it to the next level around your communication, your financial communication. Um, and that is at B-I-T period L-Y. So for those who are familiar, like a bit.ly link, B-I-T period L-Y slash all lowercase love money quiz. So L-O-V-E-M-O-N-E-Y-Q-U-I-Z. BIT period LY slash love money quiz and uh, my website. So my business is AHK coaching. So A is in Adam, H is in Hubble, which is my middle name. K is in Cole, which is my last name. So ahkcoaching.com or you can find me on social media. LinkedIn is my main platform as Adam Cole, K-O-L. And uh, yeah, you know, you can always reach out and I'm happy to chat with you answer any questions, see if I can support you or point you in the right direction to someone else who can. Thank you so much, Adam. This has uh, been great. I'll put those links in the show notes so folks can just kind of click on them, make it nice and easy. Uh, thanks again, and uh, hope you have a great one. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to another episode of Skyline Views with Chris Mills. We hope you found this valuable and useful feel free to share it with friends or family that could benefit as well. Please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss anything. We really appreciate it. Also, we'd love to hear from you. Connect with us through thehaneycompany.com. See you next time. 
The information provided in this episode is not intended as specific tax or legal advice and may not be relied upon for purposes of avoiding any federal tax penalties. Skyline Views, the Haney Company, their employees and representatives are not authorized to give tax or legal advice. Individuals are advised to seek advice from their own tax or legal counsel. Individuals involved in the estate planning process should work with an estate planning team, including their own personal legal or tax counsel. The information provided here does not constitute personal financial advice, but is meant for the conveyance of information for educational purposes only. All investing involves risk, including the risk of loss. Past performance is not indicative of future returns. Guarantees are backed by the claims-paying ability of the insurer. Christopher Mills is a registered representative of Coastal Equities Incorporated and an investment advisor representative of Coastal Investment Advisors Incorporated. Neither Coastal Equities Incorporated nor Coastal Investment Advisors Incorporated is affiliated with Skyline Views or the Haney Company. Advisory services are offered through Coastal Investment Advisors Incorporated, a U.S. SEC registered investment advisor, and securities are offered through Coastal Equities Incorporated. Member FINRA SIPC, 1201 North Orange Street, Suite 729, Wilmington, Delaware, 19801.